Acts chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 1 through 19. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 19. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quintillions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. If you don't understand that, Peter thinks he's dreaming. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth in, unto the city, which openeth, opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. And let's pray. Lord, thank you once again for the fact that you preserved this story for us. And while we find it amusing sometimes and makes us chuckle at ourselves sometimes, Lord, thank you for the truth that we see in it. 
We know that there's not a prison that you cannot penetrate. There's not a chain that you cannot break. We thank you and praise you for the fact that you can deliver us from evil. We ask now that you would bless this time that we're going to spend together looking at this subject of prayer. And might it speak to our hearts. Might we, might we be pricked in our hearts about our lackadaisical attitude all too often in the matter of prayer. Speak to us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer makes a difference. We're talking about making a difference, and tonight we're going to talk about prayer making a difference. You know, we've learned from the first generation Christians that we've been studying about the difference they made by caring, by witnessing, by giving, and today we're going to focus on the difference they made by praying. The foundational discipline of all that God accomplished through the life and ministry of the early church was prayer. If our churches today will make a difference, then prayer must be our foundation as well. Somebody said this, I think it was so appropriate. Prayer is non-negotiable if we seek to please God. I'll say that again. Prayer is non-negotiable if we are sincerely wanting to seek God. Hebrews 11:6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm going to ask you the question. Uh, you have to answer it for yourself. But would you classify yourself as somebody who is diligently seeking him? I think a lot of Christians would find themselves lacking in that area. Diligently seeking him. Do you pray faithfully for the needs in your life? Do you pray faithfully for the needs of others? Do you have intercessory prayer? Someone gave this question, and boy, what a question it is. Can God look forward to hearing your voice in prayer tomorrow morning? Mm-mm-mm. Do you have that appointment with God tomorrow morning? Is there that time period tomorrow morning when God expects to hear from you? Because that's, that's what you do. You know, I always think of Daniel and how uh, he, he went and prayed three times. This was his custom. That's what he did. In Psalm 5 and verse 3, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning where I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. Hmm. Acts chapter 12 was a critical season in the life of the early church. And we're going to look at their behavior here, and we're going to glean three perspectives on the prayers of God's people. Number one, we're going to talk about the reason for prayers. The reason for prayers. We've read in the first five verses there about Herod, how he stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and how he had killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Now, uh, there are two James that mention here in this passage. The first James is the brother of John, who's already been beheaded by this time. Herod had him beheaded, and 
and it pleased the people. So now he's arrested Peter, and he's fixing to have his head cut off. That's what's going on here. That's why Peter's in jail. So it says he took Peter. And, uh, and then it says a little later, because it was Easter, he was holding off doing that. Some people uh, use that right there to say, see, the King James Bible has an error in it. It says Easter. No, the King James Bible is correct. Now, earlier it said it was the feast of the Passover there, the unleavened bread, and that, that was for the Jews. But it was the Easter celebration for the Gentiles. So there is no mistake in the King James Bible. And uh, if somebody tries to tell you there's mistakes in the King James Bible, tell them, show them to me. Hmm? And here's the fact of it. If we ever do find what seems to be a, a mistake or an inconsistency, it's because there's something we're not understanding. Hmm? All right. Well, I just thought I'd share that with you. You know, prayer ought to come as naturally to the Christian as breathing, for it's just as necessary. In some cases today, God has to use trials and tribulations to drive believers to this place of prayer. If you're going through difficulty, don't be discouraged. God's waiting with open arms to comfort and help his children who reach out to him in distress. And in Psalm 50, verse 15, and call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And then Psalm 86, and verse 7, in the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. God wants us to come to him in our times of difficulty and tribulation. Now, learning to pray during a crisis is good, but it's even better to stay in the place of prayer after the crisis and maintain a prayerful walk with the Lord. Okay, let me say that another way. Yeah, it's a good thing to come to the Lord when you're in trouble. That's the first place you ought to go. But don't just let it be that you come to him when you're in trouble. You should have a time coming to him every day. It should be a regular thing. Well, let's see what the Bible says. The growth of Herod's persecution, verse 1. This guy Herod, Herod Agrippa, was the grandson of Herod the Great. And he was a very insecure ruler appointed by Rome. And like most of his family, Herod was very unpopular with the Jewish people. He saw the early Christians as an easy and expendable target he could use to win popularity with his subjects. The Jews don't like the Christians. The Jews don't like Herod. But Herod figures, maybe I can earn some points with the Jews if I start persecuting these these people to call themselves Christians. And so Herod starts coming down real heavy on the Christians. And so we see his persecution there. In such a difficult hour, prayer became the great resource to which God's people had turned. When we experience fear, when we're tempted to retaliate or manipulate, when the situation is beyond our control, God's solution is prayer. Philippians 4, 6, very familiar verse. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
Where do you look for your help in your time of need? So often people try everything else that they can possibly think of before they go to prayer. It shouldn't be that way. Prayer ought to be our first avenue. Hebrews 4, 6, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm sorry, that's verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 4. Come boldly to the throne of grace. And uh, what a blessing it is that God invites us to come, and he says we can come with confidence and boldly to him. So we see the growth of Herod's persecution. It's really, really getting bad. And then we see the grief over James' martyrdom. As I explained a little earlier, James, that had his head cut off, was the son of Zebedee. And, uh, you know, earlier in the Gospels, uh, over there in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 22, uh, James' mother requested special treatment for her two sons. Remember how she came to Jesus and said she wanted one son on the right hand and one on the left? And uh, Jesus asked the two men, he said, Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? They answered him, We are able. Well, now the chickens come home to roost. Now James had been given the opportunity to demonstrate his sincerity. He drank of the cup that Jesus drank of in that Jesus was crucified and died and James was beheaded and died. He was drinking of that cup of persecution. No doubt the Christians' hearts were broken over the tragic loss of this man James. He was one of the, the leaders there in the apostles. In times of grief, loss, or confusion, we need to remember to go to the Lord in prayer. As a father, he cares for us and seeks to welcome us into his comforting and loving arms. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, if you ever get the feeling that nobody in this world cares, uh, that may be true, but there's someone who does care. He may not be of this world, but God cares. He cares about us. I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't have this problem, but sometimes I wonder, how can God be caring about little old me when there's so much more to care about? But then I have to come back to God would never lie, and he says he cares about me. He knows my name. Hmm? If I went down the street and I asked uh, people, hey, do you, know, do you know the name of the people in my church? How many of them could name any of you? Hmm? But listen, God knows your name. And he knows my name, and I'm glad for that. Psalm 61, verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I always get the mental picture of that big boulder and God putting me right on top of it. Mm -hmm. Well, we see the growth of Herod's persecution, the grief over James' martyrdom. Then notice this, the gravity of Peter's imprisonment. Hmm. In verses 3 and 4 there, Herod knew that Peter's death would please the Jews just like the death of James had pleased the Jews. After all, they had commanded Peter to cease preaching in the name of Jesus. 
but had no success in doing that. Remember, this is the fifth persecution already. This is a baby church. This is the new church. And already five different times, uh, the apostles have been persecuted for doing nothing but preaching Jesus. And so this was a grave situation. Paul referred to Peter as one of the pillars of the church in Jerusalem over in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9. Peter, we know, preached on Pentecost. He became a great leader in the church. How would they go on if they lost two of their leaders in such a short period of time? Listen, there were the 12 apostles who were the basic leaders, and now they've already lost one that are on the verge of losing a second one. It's a very serious situation for the, for the early church. Well, look what happened in verse 5. Look there, if you will. Peter, therefore, is kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. The gravity of this situation, the seriousness of what's going on, drove these people to the place of prayer, and not just a, a intermittent prayer, prayer without seeking or ceasing. And we need to learn from their example of the early church about importunity in prayer. Importunity, that's a big word, but what it means is to entreat persistently, to be persistent in our prayers. And that's what these people were. In Luke 11, verse 5 through 9, he said, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine and his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Somebody said, sometimes our prayers remain unanswered simply because we give up far too soon. Mm. You know, we pray about something once or twice, and God doesn't answer it, so we say, well, forget that. If you're really serious about something, you'll keep praying about it. Hmm? Well, and then notice this, God's response to their prayers. God heard their prayers. We see the turn of events that begins in verse 5. It says, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And look what we find in that one little verse in this matter of prayer being made for him. It says, but prayer was made. That's a pivotal conjunction. But Peter's arrested, but. And then there's without ceasing, that's a preserving commitment. Then of the church, that's a pleading company. Unto God, a powerful creator. For him, a personal concern. All that's packed into that one little verse about the subject of prayer for Peter. Well, the people's intercession prompted God. Did you get that? The people's 
prompts of God's intervention. I wonder how many times our intercession for somebody prompts God's intercession for somebody. You know, we don't always know the results of our prayers. Hmm? Sometimes we pray for people that we're not really in contact with. And God will do something in their life we may never know but we need to pray for people. Acts chapter 12, <clears throat> look at verse 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and keepers before the door kept the prison. Now I'd say he's pretty secure, isn't he? I'd say they weren't worried about Peter getting out of jail. Mm -mm -mm. Verse 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and the light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. Time out. A couple of things in that verse that really, really we need to stop and think about. Number one, Peter's sleeping. So, I wonder if you could be sleeping if you knew that they were coming to get you and cut your head off. That's what Peter's facing. And yet God had given him a comfort and God had given him a grace and a peace that he's able to sleep. You know, God can do that for you. Mm -hmm. He can calm the troubled soul. And then this angel appears in the middle of this prison. Uh, the angel didn't open the door for him. And you know, over in Hebrews, <clears throat> in chapter 1 that says the angels are ministering spirits sent to minister to us. I wonder how many times angels minister to us. Mm. Verse 8. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind all And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. So again, Peter, Peter's not believing this is happening. All right? And when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. God responds to their prayers. Number one, Responds at the right time. God intervened when Herod was him forth. Now it's been estimated Peter probably spent about a week in prison. Peter was used to being on the move. First week required him to exercise patience. And on the very night before Herod planned to take Peter's life, God sent his angel. And, you know, we think about people in the Bible who God used in great ways who were required to trust God's timing in their lives and wait on the Lord. Abraham. Abraham had to wait for that promised son. Ten years. Joseph had to wait for his wife while he was in prison. Remember, the, the butler was supposed to remember he got back with his, and for two years, nothing happened. David 
had to wait after being anointed king how many years until he finally was given the throne. And Job, Job waited in his pain and his loss until God turned that whole situation around for Job. Job 23.10, here's his testimony. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Listen, when we're in that waiting mode, and and I say there are a lot of times I want you to get it. Waiting on the Lord is one of the hardest things you'll ever do in Christian life. Hmm. Maybe you've never been in that situation when you wait on the Lord, but that's a hard place to be. We get anxious. We, we, we get to doubting. We have all kinds of emotions going on that makes it difficult to just wait, but sometimes we have to wait and let God have his time. When we're waiting, we need to remember God is in control. He's wisely and carefully working all things to accomplish our good and his purposes. Galatians 4, verse 4. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Listen, how long did we have to wait for Jesus? Hmm? But when the fullness of time was come, when it was time, you know, somebody has said God is never late and God is never early. He's always right on time. I wish I could say that about Baptists. Solomon wrote over in Ecclesiastes, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Notice, secondly, he responds at the right He responds at the right place. You know, the angel of the Lord didn't have any trouble finding Peter. He knew right where he was. Now remember, this is a cold, dark, locked up prison, and yet the angel knew right where to find him. You ever get to wonder if God knows where you are? I can assure you he does. And I'm not saying that glibly. Have you ever just reminded the Lord that you're here? Have you ever kind of wanted to wave your hand and say, I'm still here. I'm waiting. Hmm? I need help. He already knows all that. Just our anxiousness. He knows right where we are and exactly what we're experiencing. Peter, chapter 3 and verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Hmm. Well, we think about when the children of Israel were down in Egypt. God didn't, didn't forget about them. He didn't forget the apostle Peter. And we can understand he's not going to forget us. Exodus 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And then he responded in the right way. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he assured them, Your Father knoweth what things ye have need of 
before you ask him. Hmm. Your father, uh, your father, let me read that again. Um, knoweth what things ye have before ye ask him. You know, sometimes people say, well, why do I have to ask God if he already knows? Because he wants you to. He tells us to ask, to seek, and a little later over in the book of James, it says he have not because he asks not. Now, one of the reasons God, reason God wants us to ask is if he didn't let us want and need, we'd never talk to him. How about that? Mm-hmm. And so he wants us to come. And <clears throat> he responds in we're familiar with the promise of Romans 8.28. Go over to Romans chapter 8 for just a minute. Romans 8. A couple of verses there we need to look at. First of all, look at very familiar verse to us. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And that's a wonderful truth. There's a promise there. But we need to serve the larger picture as it relates to our, this idea of prayer. Go back to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. My, my, my. Here's the promise of Romans 8, 28, but verses 26 and 27, we find that God knows exactly how to answer our prayers according to his divine power and wisdom even when we don't know exactly what to ask for. I'm glad the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. And then notice this, the results of this. As God responds to his people's prayers, we see the rest of the story unfolding here. Number one, the enemy's plans were thwarted. Peter was indeed delivered. It was no dream According to verses 6 through 10, God delivered Peter from 16 soldiers, two chains, keepers of the prison, an iron gate, and two wards or areas of people that he had to pass through. Well, you talk about a miracle work in God. And you know that iron gate always gets me. I read about how it opened itself. And you know, Today, nothing for us to walk up to a door and it opens. We would think nothing of that today. But think about it in their day. They walk up to a gate of its own power and authority, and, and it just opens. And God did all that for Peter. Hmm. It's been said, man proposes, God dis. 
Somebody said, it doesn't matter what a cruel ruler, a nagging neighbor, a temperamental supervisor, or Satan himself determines to do. What does matter for the Christian is what God determines to allow. The psalmist put it in perspective in the second verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. David praised the Lord for his ability to deliver his plans over in Psalm 18. David writes, He delivereth me from mine enemy. Thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. So the enemy's plans were thwarted. And, you know, we read on how the next morning they sent for Peter. Nobody could find him. Hmm. The prison door all closed again and, and uh, nothing's disturbed. But Peter's gone. Explain that one, huh? Then the church's prayers were interrupted. This is the humorous part. Most of us know the story. Now, Peter says, I'm going over to John Mark's mother's place. Um, I don't know if you understand who this Mary was there. It's Mary's house, and the people were gathered there to pray. Now, the early church didn't have a church building. They met in people's houses. And so Peter's in jail, and he's facing death. James has already been killed. It's a very serious situation. And so the church has come together to pray. And they've come together at, at the mother of John Mark's house. And by the way, she's the sister of Barnabas. Hmm. Now, while they're praying, their prayer is literally answered while they're praying. But they don't know it yet. Suddenly, there's a knock on the door, and boy, calls for the ladies who are named Rhoda. Because a maiden named Rhoda comes to the door, she hears somebody knocking, and she's, who is it? He says, it's Peter. Well, she gets all excited, and she runs in and tells him, he's at the door. And they're telling her she's crazy. Can't be Peter, must be his ghost. Out there knocking, wanted to come in. And then they finally go out there and they find out it is Peter. Now, the reason I, I say sometimes we see that as a mirror to us, think about this. How many times has God answered our prayers and stops when He does? Hmm? We ask Him for something and He gives it to us. Wow. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to take away the wow. I think that's good that we, we see that. But the fact is that we need to understand God does want to answer our prayers. And he can answer prayers. Well, their prayers were literally answered while they were on their knees. And they couldn't believe it. They thought it's too good to be true. This account illustrates that God answers the prayers of faith even when that faith is small or weak. Remember that burdened father that came to Jesus and said, Lord, 
I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And Jesus answered the prayer on behalf of his son. The Old Testament prophets said to expect these beyond expectation answers from our God. Isaiah 65, verse 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. I like your testimony tonight. Hardly got off the phone in there. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Hmm. The church's prayers were interrupted. What a good way to interrupt it. And then one more thing. The ruler's guards are executed. That last verse, let me get back. In the latter part of uh, verse 19, and uh, when they looked for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there were I want to emphasize that a little bit because that's, that's the law. When the people were given a prisoner to guard, if something happened to that prisoner, they, the, the one who was to guard them is executed. Now, I want to bring you back to, remember when Jesus was resurrected? Remember there was a Roman guard, four quintillions of soldiers to watch the tomb? And remember how, how they had fallen down uh, when the angel rolled the stone away? Hmm? Remember all that? But you know, those men weren't killed. They were sent to guard that tomb, and something happened, and that body disappeared, but those men weren't killed. They were, they were called before Pilate, um, and uh, they were told that they were to lie if anybody asked them what happened. They were to say they fell asleep and the, and the uh, apostles came and stole the body. The fact is, sleeping on duty was a death penalty. Hmm? But they needed them to lie. Kept them alive. All right. David, when he turned the tables on his enemies, over 138, verse 7 of Psalms, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. God wants to work on our lives. He wants to work on our behalf. He wants to bless us. He wants to bless his church. He wants to protect and provide for our family. He says to us, I will work, in Isaiah 43, verse 13. And so the question is not God's willingness to answer, but our willingness to pray. I have not, because he asked. Prayer is vital for Christian life. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the avenue of prayer. Might we be the prayer warriors that we need to be. Might our prayers be effective. Might we be diligent and faithful to maintain 
that time of prayer with you every day where we seek your face and seek your help. Lord, help us to realize how important prayer really is and to make it a priority in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.